Welcome everyone to the episode one of the Bayes Esports podcast. Today we're going to kick off with a chat with Notker about safer betting. Notker, you're the first guest on the first episode. How do you feel about that? Special. Yeah. Special. <laughs> kind of risky. <laughs> kind of risky. I mean, I know you like, you like that. So my name is Agnes. I'm going to be the host for the day and hopefully for all the future episodes as well. So first of all, Notker, could you just quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do at Bayes? Thanks for having me. So very exciting. I don't do a lot of podcasts, so it's a very cool, very cool thing to experience. As you said, I'm, I'm Notka. I'm working here in the data science department, and uh, I am somewhat uh, generously labeled as co-founder of the company. So we are caring for generating real-time predictions on on the live data which we're getting from our sources, and we're. So you mentioned co-founder, right? That's of course big, big term, big word. So. And kind of implies you have a long history with with the company. Could you talk a little bit more about the the history of Bayes um, from the beginning? So, Bayes has been founded as a joint venture of two companies, Dojo Madness and Sportradar, a large betting company. And so you could kind of say that uh, Bayes goes back to the days when Dojo Madness was founded, which initially was a company working on the premise that we wanted to offer training advice and, and coaching guides based on data, mostly for League of Legends in the beginning. So that was the, the thing. And why did I say I'm generously labeled as a co-founder? Because I'm, I'm technically, I am a co-founder, but to be honest, others had the idea and then they were looking for a tech-savvy data guy to go in. And that was so the right place at the right time, basically. Yeah, kind of, super lucky. Super lucky is always in life, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot. So before we dive into all the serious stuff, I just want to give our listeners an opportunity to, to get to know you better as a person. So I have prepared three very quick questions for you <laughs> on the personal note. So are you ready for that? Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. So if you were going to describe yourself with just one word, what would that be? Holy hell. Curious. Cool. Okay. The next one is if you have one song that you, you could pick as your favorite song of all time, what would it be? Mercy Seat, Johnny Cash. Oh, that's yeah. actually a very good answer as well. I, <laughs> I agree. So there are right and wrong answers? Uh, right and wrong answers, <laughs> depending on my personal preference, <laughs> of course. Okay, and my last one is, uh, what is your favorite esports or gaming memory? I think, and, and that's a bit of a vain memory, because I used to play myself rather amateurish in Team Fortress 2, right? And we were kind of a third league team. And years later, in some other unrelated uh, match, I met some guy who back then was a big shot in the German uh, Team Fortress 2 scene. And he kind of recognized, recognized me by my gamer handle. And it was kind of like, ooh. 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 <laughs> I'm famous. <so. laughs> he remembers me. <laughs> that sounds exciting indeed. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you very much. So those are my questions. One interesting fact about you that I was told when I was preparing for this was that apparently after you left base, you went to work for a trucking optimization company. <laughs> How did that happen? How did you end up in that spot? By a headhunter is the short answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the boring one. Yeah, that's the boring one. I left base, or rather back then, Dojo Madness, because at that point I kind of felt, okay, I've seen what that field had to offer at that time, which was, I think, four years ago-ish or something, and was looking for some other challenge. And then, yeah, this, this headhunter came and offered me this uh, logistics company, which posits a very interesting challenge because log logistics is kind of the, the backbone of our, of our society, kind of, right? And they were looking for a head of data science, which totally fit my bill back then. Mm -hmm. 
Plus, it was also only 100 meters from my apartment. So. Oh, that's, I feel like that's the selling a, point. Had that. <laughs> actually, it was because I had a competing offer, which was 20K higher, but I would you, have to travel, the travel a lot cost, for them. So yeah. then I said, no. <laughs> yeah. And two, days, uh, two weeks after I started, uh, there was the corona lockdown and all this office uh, argument didn't work anymore. Okay, well, <laughs> you should have taken the money then. Was there any similarities at all between working in, in esports and working in this logistics world, or are those kind of two completely different disciplines? For a data scientist, I think the most important property you can bring is uh, is curiosity and uh, penchant for asking questions and a lot of questions. Because usually you have no idea of what you are going to model, but you should have. Right? I know some people have a different opinion here and think they can just take data, plug it into some magic system, and then something happens. And yes, something will happen, but usually not what you really <laughs> want. Right? So usually you get thrown into some deep water and say, no, swim. By the way, by the way I want to have a boat by the end of the week. Um, that stuff. I wouldn't say content-wise there was not so much similarity. Method-wise, it's always the same. Actually, you just have to pick the, the methods. And uh, I was working there also on regression pricing topic, which is the stuff which I've been working on at Dojo Madness slash Base before anyway, right? So obviously now you're back, you're back mm -hmm. to Base, you're back to esports. So what made you come back? What made you make, make that decision to, to return? Honestly, the people. I really enjoyed working with the people and a lot of the people are still with the company from, from the early days. So people like our our CEO, people like our, um, our director of engineering, super clever people from which you can learn a lot. And they've, they've, they've got principles which, which make working with them really a breeze. And some, some developers, they're, re they're really awesome developers. I, my, or my colleague in the data science team, uh, Darina, she's absolutely fierce and, and, and the discussions are absolutely great. And it's always about what is right and not who is right. So that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's, the, that's the environment I want to work in. Okay. That's actually not what I expected you to say. I was expecting you to mention you are very driven, kind of like you, you described mm. yourself as curious, right? So I was kind of expecting you to talk a little bit about the, the cool challenges that there are, right, mm. to, to solve currently. And this is, I think, brings me back to what you said earlier about, you know, you said at the time, right, mm. there was not anything more the field had to offer you. Mm. Do you feel like that's changed? Do you feel like there is, again, exciting things for you to work on? Absolutely, absolutely. Things have changed on pretty much every stage relevant to what I'm doing, right? So now there is more data. The data is more reliably available. Now there are new techniques to build the architecture of these systems. There's even new techniques, new methodologies to, to apply to the stuff. That has changed. There's plenty of new challenges there. And it's not that I would have come if Bayes wouldn't have offered any challenges, right? So obviously the challenges are there and they are interesting and I'm, I'm loving my day-to-day -day work. I actually do. So that is great. But those challenges, others also have them, right? But mm -hmm. I think what makes Bayes unique is, is the culture and the people because I haven't found a team like this anywhere else yet. Cool. Well, that's definitely a good point. We, we should get some kudos for, from the PNC department after this. <laughs> Going back to now what you're currently working on, right? You, you mentioned there, there are new challenges. So what is your current big challenge? What is your current project that you're, you're digging into right now? I think I mean, we are now at a stage where we have started to offer our probabilities to a very wide market, right? So we have integrated these probabilities into our core company offering this, this data platform, which you can hook into and easily get various data streams, audiovisual, odds, 
or probabilities, whatnot, right? And um, now I think the most interesting challenge is setting up a sort of um, monitoring against the rest of the world because the betting market is basically a me against the rest of the world thing where, where you are saying, hey, I, I think it is like this and the rest of the world is free to agree, right? Uh, disagree <laughs> or <laughs> agree, of course, right? But yeah. that's not interesting if they agree. So you are very, very interested in knowing how good are you actually faring against the rest of the world. So that's uh, currently the thing which I'm mostly occupied with. I think this is something that the work that you've been doing with, with probabilities, can you talk a little bit more about the, the use cases of that? What would be potentially people that would be interested in this? Mm -hmm. People potentially interested in this are betting companies who want to increase the margin in, in a certain field, betting companies who do not have a very extensive own data science team and uh, media companies who want to beef up their video streams or their casts with additional information. Imagine like this, you, when you're a betting company and assume you get the live data from somewhere, right? Probably from us. And now you've got a choice. Do you want to hire your own data science team to work on modeling? Those guys are expensive. They're hard to get, right? So, but maybe you already have them then totally fine. Those guys create the models, the probabilities, which you then convert into odds and offer it in some place. But maybe you just say, okay, maybe I can save the money on this one and trust in some other party to do this. Right? And that's, that's where we come in because we've got years and years of industry experience. We've got all the data. Our models are, and I can actually show this, are kind of uh, best in class, right? They, they beat other models in the market very, very handily. So why do something yourself? Yeah, when you get the same stuff at a much lower cost with higher availability from someplace else. So that's that's kind of the idea behind that. And um, one point that I think people maybe don't think about too often, I think an upper hand is the esports specific knowledge as well, right? Would, mm. you, would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. We've seen this in the, in the early days. We had all been esports nuts and we had cooperated with the data science teams from uh, classical betting providers. And it's a different culture. It's also a different uh, technological setup. If you look at the classical betting company setup, it's more, think about football, for example, right? You do not have a lot of data in football. The bets are rather slow, right? Usually you, you take a lot of time up front to think about your bet, then you place it, then you watch the game, and that's about it. Right? Sure, there's also live betting and stuff, but it's also very... It, it, everything is rather slow and the data you get is rather coarse, right? You see which type of goal, how many content, stuff like that. And in esports, it's kind of different because you've got this data in a millisecond, uh, millisecond latency, right? In, in near arbitrary resolution. So what you can do there is, is totally different, which, which opens up completely new use cases, completely new, new methods to use. And also, of course, completely new challenges. With coarseness also comes a kind of a robustness and security. Right? If I have to predict something, if I have to predict tomorrow's method, weather, it's kind of I can go just middle-ish, right? Yeah, pretty much like today. That's kind of fine. But if I have to predict, I don't know, the next noise happening, that's kind of, right? A lot of happening, a lot can be happening. It's a very fast-paced market, so totally different ballgame. There's a topic that's recently coming up a little bit more in the industry is safer betting. So how mm. do we ensure essentially both for the punters and for the sports books that we are transitioning to, to a safer style betting space? And 
I would like you to tell me how do you see this, right? How do you mm. see safer betting? What does it mean to you and how we can enable it? I'm a very value-driven person at, at the core, right? So there are certain things which I uh, do not want to do and I will not do them, right? So for example, you often get headhunter offers uh, for certain types of companies and then flatly refusing them. So obviously the moral aspect of betting, right? And uh, the implication it it has on, on people is something which I'm thinking about and which is very dear to my heart. And I think that one has to strike a very good balance between the entertainment which betting actually offers, because betting is fun, right? And the potential downside of, of addiction and of, of malpractice there. How I personally can go about this as, a, as someone who is offering um, a B2B service, it's, it's rather limited because we do not have direct customer contact. Right? So I, I know that a lot of betting companies are, are paying a lot of attention to it and are trying to identify trigger markers and, and, and warn or identify people who are likely to be negatively affected and uh, kind of stop that. And I think a lot of good things is, is going on there, but I'm, I'm a little bit too far away from this topic to be, to be really called an expert there. And in terms of, so of course, you know, as a sports book, um, there is also certain things that you want to do to protect yourself, right? Mm. Against different potential exploits in the market, right? Mm. Could you talk a little bit more how you think live data empowers this in terms of the products that, that Bayes offers on the market? So one of the things is that um, live data also comes with a sort of guarantee to be clean and accurate, right? So you do not have any step in between which might introduce additional errors which pr might produce faulty data because let's say for example you use non-live non-official non data by i don't know video scraping for example right we all know machine learning systems are only useful when you can live with certain mistakes they are going to make right and they're going to make mistakes so i mean we tried it ourselves and we're not doing it for a reason. Yeah. And those mistakes, for example, will create faulty data. This is not nice for your product offering. This is not nice for, for your reputation, right? And it might bring up unwanted uh, attention from sites which are beginning to, to lose trust in you. So I see official and live data as a necessary source, as a sort of trust-building thing. Just like banks, for example, they, they put a lot of a lot of money, a lot of time into showing that they are trustworthy. Yeah, for the brands, uh, you yeah. mean, uh, yeah. makes sense. One other thing that I guess um, data, the way Base receives it uh, has one advantage that it has is the granularity. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe like, based on an example, describe how that helps your prediction models run mm -hmm. in like the best top-notch mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. So not all information that is there is visible to an observer at all times. So if you have an observer, which is, for example, consuming the video feed, you might miss out on certain crucial things, which are nevertheless in the data and which are a reality. So for example, just think about uh, you're watching a CSGO match and you're watching it from the perspective of one player. Sure, you've got the scores in the top, you have, you've got the people who are alive and maybe the health points and stuff, but you do not have, for example, the positions of the other players. Right? And you do not have, for example, an, the, 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 
the movement vectors which they are taking. So where are they pushing? What what are they going to do? Are they going to go for a bomb plant or are they going to just, I don't know, for dual mode and uh, shoot at each other, <laughs> Knife right? each other, yeah. So, so um, and if you have data with a higher granularity, I mean, that can mean two things, right? A, you get it more often, or you have more information each time you get it. And with live data, you've got both, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the you've got the guarantee that everything you need in a model is there at all times. And this is this is very, very important for models because if you only give them partial data, well, there's a saying which is garbage in, garbage out, right? So yeah. <laughs> you'll get garbage out. And if you are putting yourself out there and, and are saying, okay, uh, I'm giving you these odds, being wrong by five percentage points is, is five percentage points less margin, right? Yeah. So that's basically... That's basically what you are going for. And I think one thing you mentioned earlier as well was that, you know, compared to traditional sports, there is a bit of a different experience that the audience expects mm. from an esports betting product, right? Could you maybe like talk a little bit more how that's different to traditional sports? I personally think we are still waiting for a big explosion, the big come out moment, because so far I haven't seen things which are, which kind of, really, really, really make unique use of the situation we have, right? So it's all yet rather classical betting. Mm. But I feel that esports betting with its with its high speed, with its low granularity, fine fine-grained granularity, has the ability to offer a betting experience which is not like I wanna Madrid versus Barcelona in two days, give me the quarter for that, right? But more like something, some, something very fast-paced, something very fun. So something where you do live betting and decide in an instant, in a second, and not have to wait ten seconds until mm. it's done. Right? And Basically, mm -hmm. a, a more kind of engaging, more live experience. Yes. Would you say that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. Like, I'm I'm an esports big esports fan, right? Mm. So I can say that's also something I would really like to see from a product. For example, I think we had this discussion, um, you know, League of Legends, there's team fights, right? Mm. For example, that's a very engaging kind of concept that mm. you can you can be betting on, right? Mm. Team fight presence. But as far as I know, I haven't seen any products that offer, for example, right now, anything like that mm. to the fans. Yeah, it's a shame, right? Yeah, I mean, how, I how so. great would it be to sit with your friends and yeah. instant quote and... Yeah. But uh, hopefully that means there's a lot of opportunity, right, in the mm. coming years to to explore that space. And uh, hopefully base esports can can help. Okay, so um, I think just to just to wrap up slowly, what do you think will be 2023 for you? Like, what is your focus? Maybe let's start with with uh, personally. Like, what what are your your goals for this year? I want to be, and I will fail at this. I want to become as good as uh, some of the people I came back for in their fields. So that's just a personal striving thing, kind of stretch goal. And I'm going to fail at this. It's, <laughs> this is, uh, but uh, yeah, it's about the way, right? 80% achievement yeah. should be should be good enough. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> if I'm 80% Aaron or Levin, then I'm, <laughs> then I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my personal thing. Product-wise, I would like to see new use cases for the probabilities. I would mm -hmm. like to see it in the castle. You, you just mentioned the teamfight thing. Yeah. I mean, how awesome would it to be to have a, a small overlay in the video stream of a LOL match, which tells you, oh, teamfight is coming up, right? And because we can do that. We, we are already doing that. We, we exactly 
or not exactly, obviously you can't exactly know, right? But we know exactly the chance of a team fight happening mm. in the next time. So that's what I would like to see. And I would like to see the what we discussed, the, 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 most, the more far-paced, uh, more engaging, more small-pieced betting idea. I don't know who's, who's going to come to pick it up, but I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm, I'm hearing the rumors. Yeah, so. it's exciting times. I think 2023 mm. will, will be a big year and hopefully esports betting just continues to grow, which <laughs> of course would make us very happy. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure having you with me here and hopefully everyone uh, listening in was enjoying it as well. So big thank you to you, Notger, for being our first mm. guest and have a great day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Likewise. Thanks for being such a great host. Oh, thank you. <laughs>